Now dig this, Matt. Y'all know I love stationery. Y'all know I love to take notes. I love to write. I love to write on paper. I love to write notebooks. Matt, what'd you get me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, And I find that it genuinely helps me remember things better as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a, like a text file or whatever, actually writing something down physically helps me a lot. It helps me organize my thoughts. It helps me get my work done. And ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple pencil with it, I have been doing that on there and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem. That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called NanoDots. With those NanoDots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook... Here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You you have an iPad, you got a paper like, and I'm sure it's it feels just right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have yes. specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use, and paper like feels good on the iPad. Uh they also make accessories for the pencil to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with, but getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, (laughs) that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic. The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a paper-like on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for paper-like products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better... This is how you do it. So, to pick up your Paperlike, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, click Buy Paperlike, and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their Digital Pro Planner Bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, to get started. Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? That's more Rocket Ajax to bring back his body. Hello, everybody, and welcome to War Rocket Ajax. This is the internet's most explosive comic book and pop culture podcast. We are your hosts. My name is Chris Sims. With me, as always, Matt Wilson. Matt, how are you? Chris, I'm all right. How are you doing this week? 
a better bud better that's good that's good i am tired uh but otherwise that's doing it. all right you don't need to say that anymore that is that's just understood <laughs> yeah i it was pointed out to me that it, i don't think it was this show it was i think it was sailor business that literally every episode my co-host would ask how I was and I would just say tired and people were worried about me <laughs> as they should be. That was pre-medication. Yeah. I am. I am especially tired this week uh, because I've had so much going on, but better than not having anything going on, I suppose. Yeah. You've got the, you're, you're uh, the, one of the guys behind a successful crowdfunding campaign for a comic, which is very exciting. Yeah, more on that in a few moments. Yeah. Chris, we have a fun show for everybody this week. We've talked to a lot of guests over the past few weeks, which means it's time for us to get back on what's raw. It's true. It's it's time for a ooh baby. We like it Thursday night raw. That's right. So we're going to be Ranking some raw moments from comic books on the show this week during our interview segment. But Chris, before we get to that, we do have some business to take care of. Our first bit of business is thanking our newest supporters over on Patreon. Did you do this last week while I was sick? I, I did not listen back to the show. I did uh, not. I did but not. I know you did a, I know you did a great interview. And and I know you did some other stuff. So you didn't talk about what happened at 630 Gimmick Street. I said we will figure out what's at 630 Gimmick Street next week. Oh, so you made a promise for me. Well, I no, I, I mean, I guess 630 Gimmick Street could be an, a vacant lot if we want. I mean, Matt, you first of all, first of all, it's not like we're making things up. We're just telling people we're accepting a generous uh, sponsorship from the Gimmick Street uh, City Council. Chamber, it's the Gimmick Street Chamber of Commerce. It's not a city council. That would be silly. It's a it's a street, not a city. Right. Right. Yes. Second of all, like we we can't just figure it out. We're just telling the people because Matt, Matt, we're about to talk about the people who have gone all the way down to six thirty one and six thirty Gimmick Street, which are across the street from each other. That's right. Yes. And and what are at those locations? I mean, maybe a vacant lot. I don't know. <laughs> okay, six thirty is a vacant lot. No, we can't. No, there can't be an, a vacant lot on Gimmick Street. That's giving up. Then the bit will be over. <laughs> if we, if it's just a vacant lot, the bit's done. All right. Let's say six thirty is a toy store. Okay. All right. And six thirty one is an adult toy store. That's right. Yes. That's right. Which is, t- honestly, t- Chamber of Commerce. What were you thinking with that one? That's some wild zoning. It's bad zoning, honestly. Yeah. Especially because they both just say Toy Store. <laughs> you gotta know which side of the street you're on. So, whether you're you're heading on down for just the latest collectible action figures, uh, if anybody finds that Orange Cassidy, let me know. I still need it. Uh, or if you're... Uh, Big old pervert. 
Make myself laugh with that one. Then while you're while you're on your way down Gimmick Street, you can also go to patreon.com slash Ajax, where you can kick in as little as a dollar a month to help keep this bit alive. Maybe Please help kick keep in this bit alive. Fifty dollars a month if you want this bit to stop. And that's how we'll know. We'll we'll weigh it out. We'll weigh our options. But <laughs> it helps keep this gimmick uh, helps this gimmick keep going, and uh, more importantly, helps me and Matt pay those gimmicks that keep sending the mail called bills. That's right, Chris. And our newest supporters on Patreon include Brian Orban. Thank you, Brian. And Beck Short. Thank you, Beck. If you would like to be like Brian and Beck, you can head on over to patreon.com slash Ajax, and as Chris said, kick in as little as $1 per month to make sure that we keep doing this show. Every week that we do comics catch up, which we will be recording pretty soon for April, that we do every story ever specials, that we do movie fighters and snack situation, all of those shows are made possible by your support on Patreon. And as a patron, you get every single one of those shows that I just listed off ad free, completely ad free. You can also get other cool stuff as a patron, depending on your Patreon level. You can get bonus content that includes bonus audio, which includes outtakes that get cut from the show that we put up on Patreon, as well as audio that we record, especially for the Patreon. We probably need to do some pretty soon, Chris. Also, written content is over there on the Patreon exclusively for supporters, that includes Chris's video game review series, Castlemania, which is his review of every single Metroidvania he's ever played and will ever play. And will ever play, yes. And uh, I've written a couple of things over there, so there's lots of great stuff. And folks, I have Adderall again, so there will be actually more of that soon. <laughs> Good to know. Is the shortage over? I don't know if the shortage is over, but the shortage is over in my house. Okay. The shortage is over in your house. (laughs) You can also get uh, line-stepping privileges for our various segments, currently Every Story Ever and Thursday Night Raw. And you can get physical rewards as well. I am going to request a t-shirt be made. Probably in the month of April. Mm. If you can't help us out monetarily, that's understandable. There are lots of reasons why that might be the case. You can help us out in other ways. You can leave us a five-star review on the podcasting app that you use. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, any of those places, five stars would help us out a whole bunch. Or you can just spread the word about the show, tell your friends, about War Rocket Ajax and how it is a show that you like. And look, uh, uh, we're not saying don't pay your taxes. But maybe think about whether whether the whether big government needs that money or whether Chris and Matt need that money. That's mm-hmm. all I'm saying. Mm. Important thoughts. Don't get don't do anything that's a crime wink but maybe match it with by giving it to us these are important things to think about for certain
with that, Chris, it's time for some checks and wrecks. What do you say? Let's do it. Chris, what's been going on with you? Matt, I have some great news. Hit me. A decision that my wife and I made last year has finally come to fruition. That sounds, now that I say it out loud, way either more momentous or life-changing than than it actually is. We uh, ordered a table. We ordered a table. That's what it's furniture. (laughs) All right. Uh, We, last year, decided, uh, you know, we were looking at uh, furnishings for the house, uh, things that we wanted to do, things that we wanted to get. And we decided that we were going to go ahead and buy something that is a, 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 you know, a, a treat, a luxury item that we don't necessarily need, but both of us wanted. And so we looked into it and we decided we were going to get a custom made dining table, uh, that you can convert into a space for playing board games and RPGs. Uh, now I know what you're thinking. Chris, this was a year ago? Yes, it was. Did you wind up purchasing a custom-made table for several thousand dollars from the company that was the subject of uh, scandal and news articles this month about how it's run by narcissists who do a lot of cocaine? No. No. We dodged dodged that bullet. (laughs) But, (laughs) folks, we actually got our table from... Uh, a very different company that we have had nothing but uh, positive experiences with uh, called Uniquely Geek. Not a sponsor, but could be. It finally arrived, and I, Matt, I love it. I love it so much. I will say, expensive. I think not counting things I have paid in installments, it might be one of the most expensive things I've ever bought. Uh... Although you know, we we also got like a very nice sofa because we're both adults with jobs and we should have nice furniture, so it is it is expensive. But if you're gonna get like a good, like a good non IKEA, like actual dining table, it's gonna cost you some money. Like if you're gonna get a custom made dining table at all, it's gonna be about as expensive as it's gonna be to get one that you can play uh, Hero Quest or D and D on, uh, that has like a cool little dry erase service and like a uh, a rail system on the inside and outside for cup holders, like stuff that we really like and find absolutely delightful. I am personally very, very stoked by the fact that, uh, uh, well, the way it works, I guess I should say, there are six panels that are leaves on the table uh, that form the table top surface, uh, but you can remove those and it opens up to, you know, it, it's got a, a three inch deep, uh, I believe their term for it is game vault. And so it's got a, a surface where you can lay everything out. Uh, everybody can see it a little easier. Uh, there's also like uh, a way to just take some of the leaves out and, and block it off. So you can have a, a surface and then still have a gaming surface under there. Uh, it seals watertight. So if you're eating and you spill something, it won't mess up the game that you've left under there. Lots of really cool, thoughtful stuff. Uh, but the way that you get the panels out, cause it lays flat and when they're down, it just looks like a, a normal, really nice, well-made table, buddy magnets. How do they work? Okay. Okay. We gave them so much shit 
and no one knows how magnets work. <laughs> no one knows. Like, it's a fundamental force. That means we don't know why it works. We don't know why gravity works either. Just things that have mass have gravity. Like, that's – we don't know why. No one knows how magnets work. We all made fun of them. You don't know how they work either. They just do, and we accept that because it's a fundamental force. And I'm sick of it, and I'm sick of having to defend the Insane Clown Posse for that lyric. <laughs> but they are miraculous, and I love them. I do love magnets. Anyway, uh, you get a little knob with a magnet, so there's like there's not something sticking out. There's not a like obvious like panel that you have to remove or anything. Uh, I just think it's really cool to like put the magnet down on the last leaf and be able to just like pull it up and and start opening things up. Uh, so yeah, if that is a thing that you are possibly in the market for, uh, if you've been doing a lot of, of gaming online, which in terms of RPGs, that is generally what I do, but I have so many board games that I want to play, uh, with people here locally and so many things that uh, I would love to do. Like if you were to come visit, uh, Matt, things I would absolutely love to use this table for, whether it's like a casual, uh, board game night or a full, like, you know, full on RPG. It would be a lot of fun. If that sounds like you and you've been looking into this, my experience with Uniquely Geek uh, so far has been absolutely fantastic. They've been really communicative. Uh, There was actually a uh, problem with the specifications on the table that uh, they handled and didn't, you know, like I I emailed back and I was like, oh, okay, like how much more is it going to be to uh, adjust this? And they were like, oh, no, no, we'll, we'll take care of it. And that, like, really made me feel good about their their service and the quality of the table is amazing. So definitely look into them if you're in the market for a gaming table. And if you want a wild ride, go look up some news articles about other gaming tables that you could purchase and how wildly wild and depressing that's been. Uh, Matt, what have you been up to this past week? I know what you've been up to, but but tell me. Yeah, I've been watching the numbers on. You've been watching Super- numbers. The show, like, is the the like procedural? Uh, I wish I had a joke I could say about that, but I don't know a thing about the television show numbers. So I don't either. That was just that was. I know. It's, I know it's number three years. Yeah, there's a there's a three where the e is supposed to be. And the dude from Lost is on it, and I think Fisher Stevens, and that's all I know about Num Three Years. No, I, I have been watching the show numbers. I've been watching the numbers on my Zoop campaign, which have started going up again, which is very nice. As of this recording, we are just under eight thousand five hundred dollars on the campaign, uh, which is fantastic. That's uh, above our first stretch goal, so there are going to be some additional pages of back matter in the book when we get it printed up. But by the time this episode comes out, we will officially be in the home stretch of the Zoop campaign for Imposter Syndicate issues one and two. Uh, There will be three days remaining on the campaign. So if you have dragged your feet or waited until the end to make your contribution or to spread the word about Imposter Syndicate, uh, my comic with Rodrigo Vargas, which is about villains being replaced by actors. Uh, now is the time. 
to to get in on it. This may be the only time it's printed anywhere. <laughs> Uh, hopefully not, but, uh, this is as far as I know, the only chance, uh, you might have to get these issues. So, uh, now, now is the time to get in on it and to let folks know that they only have a couple of days left to back the campaign to everyone who has spread the word about it and who has backed it and who has been so supportive. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Huge appreciation to everyone who has uh, been so supportive in the campaign and made it as successful as it is. So as we get close to the end here of the campaign, I just wanted to uh, offer up a reminder and say some big thanks. And that's that's all for me, for my check. Which means, Chris, it's time to, time to make some recommendations. What do you have to recommend? Matt, I saw a film. This mm. past this past weekend, and it is a film that I think a lot of people who like the things that we like have been talking about for what are obvious reasons. But let me tell you, it's worth talking about because Dungeons and Dragons: Honor Among Thieves is good. I was going to say it's probably a film that people who have a table like you, yeah. Listen, I know my. I also, I also got my D and D tattoo finally. Uh, it's, but it's not, it's not quite done yet. So, it's pretty visually stunning. This tattoo, and also big. Yeah, did you not expect it to be big? It is my. It is bigger than my other tattoo on my forearm. It is. It is elbow to wrist. This it guy. is a big tattoo. So, Matt, I'm never going to have a real job. <laughs> <laughs> and I need I need the kids to know I'm cool when it's winter time. I t- I literally told AC that I was like, I need the young people to know I'm cool. Fair, but yeah, we'll talk about that uh, at a future date when I get the uh, the colors added into the line work and get the matching uh, one on my other arm. But for now, let's talk about this movie. Here's the the three most D and D things about this movie. I think we're going to hear about it more than anything else, and this is something that uh, our buddy uh, Ben Rowe said, uh, friend of the show Ben Rowe, if you listen to Apocryphals, uh, in in his uh, review of it, he said it to me, he, he wrote a piece on Polygon for it as well. This does not feel like a like fantasy movie in the way that like Lord of the Rings is a fantasy movie, or in the way that like previous D&D movies have kind of attempted to be, which is not what a D&D movie should be, because... That's it doesn't really work. This feels like an adaptation of a campaign where people are playing Dungeons and Dragons the way people really play Dungeons and Dragons. By that, I mean that three things happen that are utterly th- that will be recognizable to you and me and L. Collins and AC and Marlene uh, and people that have played D&D with us. Number one is that uh, in the opening sequence, there is a character who is named Jernathan. Which is very much a... Okay, so what's this guy's name? Uh, Jernathan? Jernathan. He's Jernathan. (laughs) So that's an NPC. That's an NPC. Yeah, okay. Uh, The second most D&D thing is that uh, one character's uh, backstory is uh, that... 
Uh, he is indirectly responsible for uh, the death of uh, his beloved wife, uh, who he wants to uh, try and resurrect. And it's very tragic because uh, it's all his fault, and uh, she was the love of his life, and now he's been raising uh, his daughter alone. But she also, because he's been off doing D&D thievery, like, doesn't really love him anymore because he's been a failure as a father. Uh, and th- that's very dark. Um, and his partner's backstory is that she's a very large woman who left her barbarian tribe because she fell in love with a very small man, and she really likes potatoes. <laughs> uh, the the third thing is that there is a character who is so obviously the DM's character that it is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Uh, it is it is he's played by Bridgerton, uh, by the extremely handsome uh, Bridgerton guy, and he is a perfect angel who actually talks like he's in a fantasy story unlike anyone else in the movie (laughs) and is very relevant to the plot he has a lot of answers that they need to get and uh he's great there's also a uh big fat dragon that is the best thing i've ever seen uh i really enjoy dungeons and dragons honor among thieves uh i had an absolute blast watching it highly highly recommended not just if you like fantasy, but like if you like D and D, and I would extend that to like if you like the Adventure Zone, if you like Dimension Twenty, if you like the the kind of fun that people have playing D and D, whether you play it or not, it's worth it's worth seeing. It's good stuff, uh, and and very enjoyable. Also, Hugh Grant's late career renaissance of just playing absolute dickheads, uh, starting starting in uh, Paddington Two, and continuing and- to the present. And uh, uh, the husband of Benoit Blanc, and the husband of Benoit Blanc, yeah. Who we don't maybe that guy's a dickhead. We don't know. I doubt that's it. true. We do, we don't really get to see well, much of him. Being such a dickhead. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm kidding. That guy's probably great. Uh, but yeah, like loving loving the the grandissance that we're going through right now. Uh, Matt, have you seen it? By the way. I haven't. Um, there's a very good chance that I will see it this weekend. You, because I think you are going to like it. Unprompted. Marlene was like, you want to go see the D&D movie this weekend? Nice. A- and I was like, you want to go see that instead of John Wick, the Mario Brothers movie, and all the other stuff that's out right now? Creed 3? And she was like, yeah. So we're, we're probably going to go see it this weekend. Uh, I will probably go see John Wick this weekend, uh, but honestly, like, it's a good choice. It's a good choice. It's a stacked month for movies. I mean, that you really you're really putting a lot on uh, Mario Mario and his brother by by including them in that that lineup. I mean, I have a I have a very important place in my heart for. The Brothers Mario. I mean, look, do you think I don't? I, I know. I'm, st- I'm not going to go see the movie, most likely, in a theater. Yeah, but. <laughs> yeah like, you, like, you will watch that movie in pieces out of order for work. <laughs> and eventually on whatever streaming service it ends up on. Yeah. 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 I don't know, like, 
Like, I'm not, I, I like Anya Taylor-Joy a lot. She should be in the D&D movie because no human being has looked more like an elf ever. That's true. Uh, and, I, and I don't mean that. In, that, that is a value-neutral statement. I like everybody in the cast of the Mario movie with one major exception. <laughs> Honestly, like, yeah. They really should have reversed... Chris Platt and Chris Pratt and uh, Jack Black in that movie. I think Jack Black would be a fucking great Mario, or Chris Pratt and Charlie Day. I think Charlie Day would be a great Mario. Yeah, I'm sure Chris Pratt's fine. I'm sure that he talked to his pastor Chad about it. He probably did. Yeah, it's not a joke. He talks to his pastor, whose name is Chad, about a lot of things. Matt, what's your uh, recommendation this week? My recommendation is also a film, but it is not currently playing in theaters. I caught up on it recently. Uh, by renting it on a streaming service. Uh, and that movie is the prequel. Yeah, I guess it's a prequel to X, a movie that I think I recommended on the show uh, by one of my favorite horror directors, Ty West. Uh, but this movie is called Pearl. And I'll say straight up, I don't think Pearl is a perfect movie by any stretch. It's, it kind of like is tonally wild. Uh, it really like goes off the deep end at one point. Um, but the reason to watch this movie is the performance of its co-writer, Mia Goth, who was also in X. There is a monologue to camera that Mia Goth does. That is like one uninterrupted shot where she's just talking about like, how messed up she is. And she's talking to her hypothetical husband who is not actually sitting across the table from her. It was, it's his sister or it's her sister-in-law that's sitting across the table from her. And her husband is off fighting, uh, world war one, I think. And she's, talking to her sister-in-law as if she is her husband. And she's just like, you know, going all over the place emotionally. And somehow Mia Goth holds this monologue together. And it is just an incredibly stunning moment of acting. There's also a shot of her, an uninterrupted shot of her that ends the movie where she is laughing and crying at the same time. That is also, unbelievably great uh the 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 look of the movie is really cool it's got this kind of like golden age of hollywood wizard of oz sort of vibe to it it also has a scene where she reacts to a rejection that is the most real reaction i've seen to someone getting rejected in a movie that i think i've ever seen oh did chris i leave the movie uh no, but uh you just kind of have to see it, but it's 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 pretty great. Um Chris, you you wouldn't like it cuz it I think you would think it's too scary. Probably. Uh, but the performance of Mia Goth in that movie is so worth it. So worth watching it. So, uh that is my recommendation, Pearl. And with that, Chris, let's talk about some comics. What do you say? Let's do it. Chris, Batman number 134 
continues the story we've been talking about for a little while here on the show, where Batman finds himself in an alternate universe. And uh, this issue reveals some some other versions of a few characters, one of whom you had to text me about. Yes, this is the Texter's Choice of the Week. This is not only the Texter's Choice Award winner, this is the Email Chip Zadarty's Choice Award winner. <laughs> yes, Chip is the writer of the issue, and Mike Hawthorne, who has been uh, drawing this entire arc, is on the art here. Yeah. Uh, it appears, by the way, we should say, uh, I believe I was wrong. My guess slash theory uh, on this story arc was that Batman was actually in hell, uh, which does not seem to be the case. Instead, uh, it is it is just an alternate universe, and and that's fun. That's that's fine, and that's fun. Uh, and it's fun because what we're getting is uh, Ghost Maker's evil alternate universe counterpart, whose name is Ghost Breaker. <laughs> Because Which is a deep cut reference to another DC Comics character, and and also he's on Venom, so he he will break you. Yes, it's yeah. it's a triple level joke. Yeah, because it's it, it rhymes. It's like poetry. It rhymes in the words of George Lucas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, like he he will break you. He's on Venom. He's the Ghost Breaker. Also, the idea of someone breaking a ghost is fucking great. But also, you might be familiar with the character of Dr. 13, Terry 13, uh, who his whole deal is that he's a fucking idiot because he's a skeptic paranormal investigator who debunks hoaxes in a world where the fucking specter exists. But his original, like, title in comics was Dr. 13, Ghost Breaker. Which, again, sounds way more badass than that character has ever been. But, buddy, what a great... I want the real Ghostmaker. Because like, Ghostmaker is a great name already. He makes ghosts. Mm-hmm. By which I mean he kills people. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> but, like, shifting that into Ghostbreaker... He makes ghosts that he then breaks, presumably by super killing them and sending them to turbo hell. It's it's so good. It's so fun. I'm loving this story. Like, and I'm loving that this is a story that feels like it should be a like six issue miniseries, like Elseworlds type of deal, but is like fully just happening in Batman, where Batman's like yeah, I'm in the like I'm in an alternate universe. That's that's just how life is for me. I'm in an alternate universe where Ghostbreaker cut off my right hand because that happens in this issue. Oh yeah, Batman! Batman gets his hand cut off with a sword. Yes, call him call him Ghost, call him Hand Cutter. Yeah, and also he meets the big bad of the story, who is Red Mask. Which is also a joke about an alternate or another character because he's Red Hood. Right. Because he's the Joker who never became the Joker. Right. But he's he's seen the alternate universe that this Bruce Wayne is from where he is constantly fighting the Joker. 
and he wants that. Yeah, he he thinks the Joker is the best version of himself, which, by the way, I do love, because I love an alternate universe where somebody who's a huge piece of shit in the regular universe is still terrible. Mm-hmm. And I love that. You rarely see that, and I love it. It's like, no, 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 in this world, the bad guy is still the bad guy. He's just bad in a different way. I like it. So here's one question for you, Chris. Yes, ma'am. And I... I hope you know the answer to this because it's the one thing in this issue that kind of I didn't quite get. So there's a part in here where this this universe's version of Superman shows up. Oh, I'm glad you brought this up. I was about to talk about it. Yes, and Batman's like oh, he's going to kill everybody, and so. Batman rolls his eyes back into the back of his head so his eyes look white and he says, I am your nightmare. And it freaks out Superman and he goes flying off. Mm -hmm. What is happening there? Oh, he's just scaring him because he's a scary guy. So there's no like history of like Superman being afraid of somebody with like all white eyes or anything like that? Because he's just like, um, Matt, do you know about, um, you do you remember mean Mark Callis? Uh-huh. And how do you know what happened to him? He became a a, a different wrestler called the Undertaker. Uh-huh. He used to, he used to do this, basically, right? But so he would do it to like Papa Shango. Okay, but there's a moment where it seems like Superman has a moment of recognition. Oh, I think what this is is I really liked this bit because what happens is this is a Superman who's been who's like been experimented on and driven insane. So he's like, he's not in his right mind to begin with. Right. Cause like we see a, a Barry Allen uh, earlier on in the same thing who is like, just, you know, very not dissimilar to what Alan Brenner did in, in Holy Terror. And I kind of wonder if that was an inspiration for this knowing chips tendency to like read obscure things that only three people like, uh, but, uh, I think Batman's whole thing is like, this guy does, this is not the Clark Kent that I know. This is not the Superman that I know. So I need to, he doesn't know that I'm Bruce Wayne. He doesn't know that I'm just a guy. So I'm going to do the thing that I do and terrify people and hope that he was raised by nice people in Kansas. (laughs) Like, I think that's the full extent of it is it's just him being like, Hope this works, and putting on his most terrifying Batman voice, his swear to me voice. Okay, and Superman right. being like, "I don't want to fuck with that," and leaving. I, I, the way I read it, it seemed like there was more to it than that. But if that's all it is, great. I think that's all it is. I think it's it. I was delighted by it because it's you get Batman's like first person narration in this, and for me, that's him very much going like. Okay, well, if this doesn't work, he like there's literally nothing I can do to stop him from killing everybody. So I hope this works. Yeah, and I like that he does like the full undertake. Like he sits up, basically. You know, he does. That is absolutely what he does. Undertaker's name should have been Ghostmaker. He doesn't make the ghosts. He treats the bodies of ghosts, people who are ghosts now. Yeah, yeah, but like. People who are ghosts now? Yeah. Yeah, but like that's not what the Undertaker the wrestler does, though. 
the undertaker, the wrestler, like, like makes them rest in peace. You know, like he, he's way less do it. Like he doesn't do like, I guess Paul bearer would do the, the mortuary work if anything, but the undertaker is like, you know, he's the one tomb tombstoning them. It's, Ill-defined. I, I I think it is at best ill-defined. Are, are we? Have we said all we need to say about this issue, of Batman? Yeah, I, I love this issue of Batman. I love this run on Batman. Chip's a, an absolute hoot. I love that his Batman stories are intense, but also super weird. Yes. Uh, the next book I wanted to talk about is where monsters lie. Number three. There were actually two Kyle comics that came out this week. Uh, there was. Uh, fuck this place slash I hate this place number seven, but we talked about the last issue of that. Uh, so I wanted to talk a little bit about where monsters lie, which set up a status quo in the first issue, and by the third issue, it has burned that place down completely. <laughs> okay, yes, I'm not caught up on this. Sorry, Kyle, you don't listen, but uh, I'm not, I'm not caught up on it, man. It's a wild wild book uh kyle is the writer uh piotr kowalski is doing the art and like would you like to uh see a comic where cops are uh killed with lawnmower blades and mauled by a huge dog yeah absolutely i love dogs this is the book for you i love dogs and cops aren't your friends i will say this though uh a cop in this issue has the most reasonable reaction to something I've seen maybe ever as like it, as a cop being portrayed in a comic book. Okay. So there's like one of the, like, so the premise of the book, uh, if you don't know, is that there's this like small secluded neighborhood for serial killers. And so all the residents of the neighborhood are, like takes on a, a different archetype of serial killer. Like there's like a Hannibal Lecter type and a John Wayne Gacy type and a, you know, all, all, all of those types. And one of them is like a ventriloquist dummy that is also a murderer. And at one point, the guy who has come to the town for revenge, cause he almost got killed there takes the ventriloquist dummy and throws it into a fire and then he kicks it away like you would do with Chucky. Chris. Love it. And a cop, there's a cop talking in on the next page that this cop dies pretty quickly after this. He says, until he kicked it in the air, I thought that was a crazy little kid. <laughs> I was like, did, did that dude just kick a baby into the air? And it's like the most relatable reaction to a man in a mohawk kicking a ventriloquist dummy into the sky. Man, a man in a mohawk kicking a little murder dummy, like a little murder doll. That sounds like conversations I have with Kyle Stark circa 2012. Well, Kyle's putting it in the books. He's putting it in the books. We'll see who the franchise is when my lawyers hear of this. (laughs) <laughs> uh where monsters lie very fun i have no idea where this book goes from here because like i said it set up a status quo and immediately destroyed it so 
maybe it'll only be like five total issues or something like that, but it is a blast as it's happening. Finally, Amazing Spider-Man number 23 gives us the ultimate explanation of what Peter did. Uh, Chris, I know you haven't read this issue yet. Um, You should. Peter, if in the last issue, Peter was in the alternate dimension uh, run by Professor Rabin uh, and his demon god that he summoned and it seemed like peter was going to make a self-sacrifice and send mary jane back to earth to regular the marvel universe but then mary jane turned the tables on him and sent him back while she stayed mm-hmm. and so this issue he is he he realizes pretty quickly that time in this alternate dimension moves much faster than in on earth so on earth it's only been a few hours while it felt like he had been in that other dimension for over a week so he knows that the longer he takes mary jane is in that other place for weeks if not months Mm -hmm. and so he's just like rushing everywhere to try to figure out a way to get mary jane back and he goes to the fantastic four and they're like okay we're gonna help you but also there were these explosions in Pennsylvania and like the FBI is looking for you. So we just got to talk for a little while. And Peter's like, no, I do not have time for that. And he bails on them. Then he gets confronted by Captain America. And Chris, this is an issue of amazing Spider-Man where Peter Parker punches Captain America right in the jaw. Dang. And it rules. He doesn't usually do that. Yeah. In the end, he ends up going to someone that is the only person that can help him and won't try to spend time with him being questioned by the authorities. And uh, it's it's a, a great kind of feed back into the status quo of this series from the start. Uh, I'm very into this story and uh, very interested to see how it wraps up. And where this uh, run, the Seb Wells run on Amazing Spider-Man goes from here. Good shit. Love it. All right, Chris. That's going to do it for our comics review segment, which means it's time to get raw. Matt, I am so excited to talk about more of the rawest moments in comics history. There was no training or taming of me and my bra. Live like a man, but I'm animal raw. All right, Chris, our first raw submission comes to us from Lou Shoemaker. Here's what Lou has for us. In JLA number 41, when Superman's chained up in Mageddon and a- in Mageddon, and Aztec finds him and says, For a long time, my people have had a weapon designed to stop him. It's called Yeah, boy. It's pretty good. Pretty yeah, good. Yeah, but Yeah, that's when he um uses a, a bunch of fourth dimensional energy on him. That's, yeah, that, shit, that shit rules hard. That's Aztec's best moment, right? By a long shot. I mean, like, yeah. How could it not be? <laughs> like, there's not a lot of competition for that, Matt, unfortunately. That's true, yeah. I will say, this isn't like... This moment rules, 
But it's not the best thing that happens in that issue of JLA. True. True. It's not even the rawest shit that happens in that issue of JLA. But it's pretty good. Alright, so... It makes the list. But but not super high? Is that the idea? I mean, like, it's it's a pretty good moment. Like, you know, the, the line... I, I kind of talked over you, but, like, the line... You know, we... For a long time, we've had a weapon to fight him. The weapon's name is Aztec, and that's his name? That's a great line. It is a good line, yes. His name, that's his name. That's him. I feel like Grant Morrison doesn't get a lot of credit for writing characters doing things that are badass. Uh, I mean, maybe from people who aren't you and me. That's what I mean. Yeah? That's what I mean. You and me are all about it. Yeah. I, the only thing that I think reduces that scene, and I think we've talked about it before, imagine if, like, like I don't want to throw too much shade at Howard Porter, because he drew a ton of that run, and it's not bad. Yeah, Howard Porter's not bad, but it's weird that like I look at this and this is like for me and I feel like like for everybody, right? Like this was the flagship book of DC Comics. And it was Howard Porter. Yeah. Who is is good, who's very good and honestly got better after this. But like how was it not like how how was this book not Phil Jimenez? You know how was this book not not? I mean, I know how it's not Frank Whiteley would have never come out, right? But but that's what I'm saying. Like, imagine if this had been I, Alan Davis. I was gonna say top tier artist, which feels like it sounds like a huge slight against Howard Porter, but you know what I mean, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like like Alan Davis, exactly. Yeah, this, I mean, this book feels like it should have been Carlos Pacheco, Alan Davis, like any of those guys. But it's not. It's Howard Porter, who's fine. And it's it's not like the scene is bad. But I feel like it could have really popped. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think Porter does some of his best work in this arc. This is not his last arc. He does, the, uh, he does Tower of Babel with Mark Wade as well before uh, Brian Hitch shows up for a minute. But that's that's also the weird thing. They went from Howard Porter to Brian Hitch. That's true, yeah. It's very different. Here's what I'm going to say, Chris. I think of all the moments currently on our list, this one's at the bottom. I mean, I, I honestly think it's better than... I would say it's better than than the Phantom Lady one. I don't, think, it, I don't, I don't think it's better than the Avengers wanting to have words with Ultron. At all. See, that's. I, I think it's. If anything, it's very comparable to that because I think that moment is not like you expect the Avengers to win their names on the cover of the book, but this is Aztec, who only lasted ten issues. Yeah, I mean, look, it is it is Aztec's best moment, but you said it yourself. That's not the be- That's not the rawest moment in this issue of JLA. 
Man, this is a good issue of JLA. That's it is. That issue of Avengers is a good issue of Avengers. Avengers is a good issue of Avengers. I think well, it's. I think that. it's number ten. I think it's right. the bottom of the list. I think it goes on the list, but it's the bottom of the list. Okay, then let's go ahead and put it at the bottom of the list. Uh, this is uh, this is Aztec uh, blows up uh, Tezcatlipoca. We get in the anti sun. All right, that that one made the list, Lou. So it is officially raw. Uh, all right. So the next submission is from Brad Ellison, and Brad sent three. Okay. I'm just gonna do the first one. Okay. Well, hmm. Actually, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna say Brad. Send us which one of these you think we should do. Because that the, that's the rule for, for Thursday Night Raw, is that it's one at a time. Yeah. Everybody gets to send in one. Br- Brad, I'll, I'll do yours next as soon as you send the one of these you want us to do. Because they're all pretty good. The first one is from a book we already have a moment from. Because it's from Batman Year One. The other two are from books we don't have any moments from. And is, it, uh, is it Batman uh, kicking the cop through the wall after he tries to shoot the cat? No, it's the Year One is, moment. Is Batman uh, fucking up the rich people's dinner? It yes, but yeah, that's a good one. But the, the there's one from Hellboy in Mexico, and there's one from Preacher. So. I feel like Preacher might have a <laughs> Preacher might be the sleeper hit of uh, of this particular list. Honestly, yeah, yeah. The, the the one that Brad sent in is raw as shit. I'll say that. Mm, is it? Is it? Uh, you better fight like hell. Stop guessing. <laughs> we'll get to it if Brad decides it's the one he wants to do. Man, I'm gonna tell you, shit's good. It is. Uh, Brad, send us in the one you want us to do, and we'll we'll rank that one because because we can't do three, and it may have not been totally clear at the start of this that we just wanted one. So, whenever you send us the one, we'll do it on the next the next time we do Thursday Night Raw. Uh, all right, here's a submission from Robert Secundus, and this one's pretty good. But I think we'll have to determine whether it's raw. Okay. It's the time that the thing was too dumb and ugly to give up from Marvel Comics Marvel 2 and 1 Annual number 7. Damn, I mean, that's that's tough, because I don't know if that's raw. Yeah, it's heroic. It's admirable. It's I think great. about it every day of my life. It's great. But is it raw? I feel like mm, that's like okay, like Rocky One is not raw in the way that like Rocky Three is raw or Rocky Four, the, or Rocky Four. Hey, remember how the climax of Rocky Four takes place on Christmas Day? Yes, and Rocky because they don't have Christmas in that godless communist land of Russia. Rocky ends communism on Christmas Day. Yeah. 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 
But I mean, like, Rocky 1 is kind of raw. But I mean, the best scene in Rocky 1 is when he's he's in bed with Adrian, and he tells her he just wants to go the distance, you know? So he can prove he's not a bum, and then he does it. And that's great. But I don't know if that's raw in the way that the other things on the list are raw. Because it's good, though. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, the 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 character who does shit that's raw in that issue is not really the thing. It's the champion. Yeah. I mean, like when he makes Mjolnir disappear. Uh huh. That shit's pretty raw. That shit is pretty raw. It's pretty bad. I don't know if that's raw, but it's badass. It's badass. Yeah. And you have to be badass to be raw. True. But not everything raw. Not everything badass qualifies as being raw. But everything that's raw is badass. Everything that's raw is badass. Yeah. I'm afraid to I'm afraid to say I don't think the thing saying he's too ugly and stupid to know the difference actually qualifies as raw. It's inspiring. And great, yeah. but not raw. I think in order to be raw, he would have had to have then won the fight, which would be worse. It would be raw, but it would be worse, right? Because, like, I mean, you you watched uh, you watched WrestleMania Goes Hollywood, right, Matt? I yeah, I did. Like the the main event of of night one. Which is the only thing I actually watched of that night. One of the four good matches on WrestleMania Goes Hollywood. I hate that that is... I hate it. I hate that that's the name. I'll, t- I'll tell you the four good matches. I, 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 I listed them on our Discord. In order. Obviously, number one, Logan Paul versus Seth Rollins. Un- no. <laughs> no. <laughs> you, couldn't, you could not pay me. People keep saying that Logan Paul is a good wrestler, and I feel like I'm watching a different show than them. So you didn't say that? Becky Lynch. <laughs> yeah. He he would be a mid-card high flyer if he wasn't a famous YouTube asshole. Anyway, the four good matches, in order of goodness, are from night two, Walter slash Gunter, versus Drew McIntyre versus Sheamus. That match kicks ass. I bet that's just I bet that's big meaty men slapped meat is what that, that is. That is a 1000% what that match is and it fucking rules. It was God, the best, I want to watch that right now actually. <laughs> it was the best thing on WrestleMania by a long shot. Number 2 is Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte which was on night 1. Number 3 is uh the match you we're talking about Sammy Zane and Kevin Owens versus the Usos. And then Bianca Belair and Oscar was good on night two. And those are the four good matches on WrestleMania. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm actually really surprised that, that, that the main event, the tag team match is not number one because it was like, I watched that in its entirety. It's incredible. It's good. It's, it's good. It ain't as good as those big beanie bits. Like me. 
Yeah, but that's very much a, like, the story of someone who just won't quit, and then they win, and it works. Yeah. And that would not work with Ben Grimm. So I don't, I don't think this is a raw moment. I think this is one of those things where it's like, this is the difference between a moment we love and a moment that's raw. Yeah, it, this this I think it makes for a good distinction. Like I wouldn't say Spider Man lifting the thing is raw either. No, I don't think so. I think to be raw, somebody got to get their ass kicked. Like somebody has to like somebody needs to have an impending ass kicking. Yeah, as the result of being of the raw moment. They either have to be in the midst of getting their ass kicked, or an ass kicking has to be coming. Yeah, I mean, like, Scourge dies, but he, like, like he fucking demolishes a lot of people in that. True. True. Yeah. Uh, Alright, here's our next he, he wins, though. He wins a spiritual victory. He gets, he wins respect. He wins respect. And I guess what well, Ben Grimm does too, kind of, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, oh, no. that's it's, like, yeah. It's, yeah. Scourge does kick ass, though. That's yeah. the difference. Yeah. Sc- I mean, Sc- Scourge wins until he doesn't. Ben loses until he doesn't. Right. But yeah. he also doesn't win, you know? Right. All right. Here's our it's next. It's hard to explain, folks. Our next submission is from Rocket Witzel. Who says, this isn't a hell yeah kind of moment, it's a shit just got real kind of moment. Alright. It's the last page of New X-Men number 146, the full page spread where Magneto, having revealed that he was Zorn, is gloating over the newly crippled body of Professor Xavier saying, X-Men emergency needed, Charles, the dream is over. See, I don't think that's raw. I don't think that's raw either. Well, we've talked about how villain stuff is different. Villain stuff is like villain stuff can be raw, and and it's it's kind of got to be like uh, a shit just gets real moment for that to happen. Yeah, man, I'm 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 looking at this issue now that Phil Jimenez drew. Should have drawn that fucking run on JLA, man. The art God, is good. the art is great. Yeah, you throw on the fucking Invisibles with Morrison at the time. Yeah. Like just kick it like kick him over to JLA. I think this moment is good and it's badass. Uh, but I don't know if that it I don't know. I don't know that it qualifies as raw. I don't think this moment's raw. It's it's folks I'll tell you what raw what's a fucking raw moment from New X-Men is when Cyclops says next one breaks your leg. Yeah, that's raw as hell. That's raw as shit, dude. I, 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 I'm, I'm sure people are listening to this and saying, like, okay, if that's not raw, then what is? I mean, I mean that I just told you. Yeah, right. Yes. And I'm sorry that we can't define it more concretely, but it's it's very much a, I know it when I see it situation i know it when i gotta get up out of my chair yeah and and i think i think rocket made a good distinction there where it's like it's not an oh shit moment it's a shit just got real kind of moment yeah 
like this is the kind of moment that ideally would be the prelude to a raw moment, which in this case I think would be, in theory, Wolverine cutting off of Magneto's head. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like, look, but that also doesn't that doesn't do what you want to do either. Here's here's the way I'll try to explain it, and I think we sort of explained it like this before when we disqualified other villain moments. There's the set them up moment. There's the shit just got real moment, which isn't necessarily raw. It's something else. Yeah. It's it's badass and it's a catalyst, but I don't think it qualifies as raw. Then there's the knock them down moment. The result of the catalyst, the action that comes, the reaction, and that's usually the moment that's raw. For me, it's a lot of it is that, like, I'm looking at what we have on the list, and it doesn't track, because, like, a lot of the stuff we have on the list, like, there's there's a catharsis to a lot of it, like, Sebastian Shaw getting his fucking eye ripped out, yeah, or Mr. Miracle stabbing Darkseid to death with a knife made of god blood, uh... Or or Balder picking up the sword. But, like, I do feel like the prime raw moments are when you, like, you thought, you thought it was going to go one way. It is going to go another way now. And that is Jim Gordon giving Flash the baseball bat, right? Like, that's, that's, honestly, that's Balder taking up the sword. That's, in theory, the Avengers and Ultron, where it's like, yeah, you, that's, Spoiler warning for something that will rank well on the list. That's Batman digging his way out of his own goddamn grave. <laughs> like, oh yeah, you thought you knew how this was going to go. I think that's why the 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 thing not staying down is like doesn't feel raw to us because we know the thing's not going to stay down. Like that's a foregone conclusion. He's not good. Like you're not keeping him down. He's going to keep getting back up. And that's why we love him. And we love to see it. So this is like a reveal and it's like a setup, but it's not quite. We all knew something was going to go wrong for the X-Men. Right. Usually does. Right. Yes. That's what I'm thinking. We are going to be more selective with Thursday Night Raw than we have been with other things. Yeah. It it has to meet the qualifications. All right. How about this one, Chris? This is from Ryan Clark. And Ryan doesn't give us an issue number, but I happen to know the issue number of this one. Okay. Uh, The part in Daredevil Hardcore, it's specifically Marvel Knights Daredevil number 50 where Matt beats the ever-loving piss out of the kingpin and then becomes the kingpin. That's just pretty fucking raw. <laughs> That's just pretty fucking raw. That's, like, I I don't love the Bendis Daredevil. Like, I, 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 it's, I don't love the Bendis Daredevil. Let's just say that. Let's just leave it there. There's some shit in there that's pretty fucking good, though. Here's what's wild about that fight to me, or about that whole sequence. Mm-hmm. The fight is just all right. Because 
Alex believe for his many strengths as an artist isn't particularly suited to be drawing like two dudes beating the piss out of each other. Yeah. Like he's, his whole deal is like moody scene setting, gritty crime stuff. And it's kind of like, it's a lot of like photo referenced art and some of the movement during those like dynamic moments doesn't quite look right. And it's also an art jam once the fight really gets going. And Mm -hmm. some of that stuff looks kind of weird. After the fight, though, the, the part to me, the part that's raw is the part where Daredevil drives a car through a bar wall, the, the Josie's wall, and dumps the kingpin on the floor of the bar. And he yeah, says, dumps the kingpin on the hood of a car and then drives it through a wall. <laughs> yeah. And he says, these are the new rules of Elle's Kitchen. This is the kingpin, your kingpin. This was your guy. And I just beat the piss out of him. So I'm not protecting the city anymore. I'm running it. And you got to listen to me. Because look at him. Yeah. That's the part that's raw. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting because you think of fight scenes and you think about the visuals, right? Like yeah. you think of that panel of Scourge. You think about like uh, that, you know, just Mr. Miracle going buck wild. Or and you think about, you know, Dave Mazzucchelli drawing that panel of, of Gordon tossing that bat. But this is not Alex Maliev is not a bad artist by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think, I think he's done a lot of good work, but buddy, he made some weird choices on daredevil. Daredevil lifts a car in one of these issues, you know, he does. And i like, and I believe like, uh, Bendis, like I think Bendis told the story of he was like, yeah, I I called Alex and I was like, what the fuck are you doing? And he's like, oh, can Daredevil not lift a car? <laughs> oh, it was very funny. <laughs> but like, yeah, like the fight plays much less to like the artistic strengths and the choreography of the fight, and really plays into Bendis's strengths as a writer because that kind of like repetitive. Like, uh, you know, you know, Bendis dialogue works really well because it's all Matt Murdock being like, what do I have to do? What do I have to do to make it stick this time? Like, how many times have I done this? How many times am I going to do this? What do I need to do to make this stop? And it's like, it's, it's frantic. And that repetitiveness works really well for it. I do wish anyone else had drawn the fight scene. Well, it's the thing about Maliv is like, He's got real strengths, like really great strengths, and then like big time weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And the action stuff is a weakness. Like even when the car goes through the the wall of Josie's, like it's so clearly a photo of a car that has been through a bunch a bunch of Photoshop filters. Like it looks like a car from Tom Goes to the Mayor. It looks like it looks like when you go to the mall and there's that kiosk of like lenticular art of Goku or of the <laughs> Mandalorian or whatever, and it's literally just like you just put this in a Photoshop filter. It looks like that. 
which is wild because like the cover to this issue, which I believe is also a an Alex Malley. This is an Alex Malley cover. Yeah, it is. Like rules. Like this is a great cover. Oh, it's fantastic. It's but but you know he was doing like drawings. Like uh, clearly there were things in here where he drew them and then but then there was like photo collage stuff in these issues too and some of it looks great and some of it looks a little dodgy especially 20 years later you know yeah yeah but kingpin looks different in every single panel even before the artist jam part starts yeah but the part where daredevil is like this is your guy look at him now he's he's a mess he's defeated and now you answer to me. That rules. It rules pretty fucking hard. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I would say this beats the existing Daredevil moment that we have on the list, which is Akari saying try the red one, which is pretty fucking rad. I would agree. I would also I would agree that it's above Phantom Lady. Is uh, it as good as Lockheed ripping out Sebastian Shaw's fucking eye? Maybe not. I think it might be the new number seven. All right. I think that's a good, I think that's a good place for it. Yeah. I, and I think we call the moment daredevil declares himself the new kingpin. Yeah. Cause, cause it's not really the fight. It's, it's the declaration. That's he also that's pulls off his fucking mask in that scene, which in a movie I would be very annoyed by, but in a comic, well, this, that's how you like, this was during the, the everybody knew Daredevil was Matt Murdock. Like, Kingpin had revealed Daredevil's identity story. Yeah, but so. it's still like, he's taken off his mask so that he can talk to him. Uh, yeah. It's pretty great. All right, our next submission is from uh, Tim Stevens. And this is another JLA moment, Chris. Mm-hmm. This is from JLA number 38. And it is <laughs> Batman versus Prometheus round two. Yeah, boy! <laughs> oh, shit. Yes. Uh, Batman hacks Prometheus's tech, reducing his physical control of his body to that of Stephen Hawking. Then he finishes oh. him off with a helmet-cracking haymaker. Which sounds like a mean joke, but I promise it isn't. It, it makes sense. Stuff like that makes the fact that Mark Miller and Grant Morrison used to write together and work together makes sense. Because yeah. just yeah. just hearing it described, you could think that that was a Mark Miller idea. Yeah. Like, it's, it, it is very much, like, it, it's kind of like, at its heart, it is kind of edgy 90s comics and sounds a lot meaner than to, to uh, the late Professor Stephen Hawking as, like, a lot meaner than I think it actually is in practice. If I, I have a hard time imagining Morrison writing this exact joke today, or, like, this exact gag, you know? And they probably wouldn't. I, I'd be, yeah, I, they probably I would wouldn't. be really surprised if they did. But, like, but also, like, it's so, it's fucking good, dude. <laughs> like, because if you don't know how this works, uh, when Prometheus shows up in, in JLA 16 and 17, uh, he fights Batman. And because it's 1998, he has a CD-ROM drive in his head. 
<laughs> and he's able to download the uh, the muscular systems, like imprint his muscular systems with the fight, the abilities and like patterns of uh, the ten greatest fighters in the world. You, you've seen Dead or Alive, the movie, right, with the magic sunglasses. If you have it, you should. You shouldn't. Eric Roberts is basically Prometheus in that movie. Yes, very much so. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, and he's like, yeah, I have the 10 greatest fighters in the world on this uh, on this CD-ROM, which contains over 785 megabytes of data. Uh, and, and Batman, you're on that list. And so he beats Batman with his own moves and just like beats the shit out of him. And the next time you see Batman, it's one of my favorite Morrison Batman moments, which is saying something, but Batman says, that was a humbling experience. Great. Fucking love it. Uh, this is their rematch. And this is when Batman's like, yeah, you like, after we beat you the first time, I took your helmet apart. I figured out how it works. I knew if you came back, you'd be too much of an egotist to have a different one. You got it from my trophy room. I've had it all along. You didn't just download my moves into your into your head. You downloaded the fighting skills of Stephen Hawking. Which I think, I don't know, am I wrong? Is this just like a thing that I like from when I was 16? And so I'm giving it a lot of leeway? Well, I think... I think in hindsight, it's not as cool and edgy as it was in what year would this have been in? 1999? Uh, yeah, this is 90, I, I believe 99 or maybe early 2000. Yeah. This, yeah, this, this is uh, early 99. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, times have changed pretty drastically. And we've always said, like, the whole, well, it was different back then argument. Never holds water, right? Right. However, the difference is Stephen Hawking was alive and well and perfectly, you know, healthy with his condition at this time. You know, and so, like, we're thinking about it from the mindset of, like, he got sicker and eventually passed away. This was well before that. Like yeah. there, there wasn't any sense that like Stephen Hawking was infirm. Like this was nineteen years before he died in twenty eighteen. Mm-hmm. So while he was in a wheelchair at the time, I, I, I don't think there was. I don't necessarily think of it as as mean-spirited as it might read now. I don't think it's intentionally hate I don't think it's hateful, but I think at the end of the day and I and I say this, this is one of my favorite things Batman has ever done. Yeah. But, but I think like it is a joke at the expense of Stephen Hawking could not beat up Batman. Right. Which, of course not. You know, it's like, none of us could, but, you know, that's not the point. Uh, I do love Batman laying the trap, and not only, it's like, this is what I'll say for this moment. Mm 
I love the pettiness. Yeah, because because Batman w- wants to win. <laughs> yeah, Batman could have had it give him nothing and beaten him up. Like Batman could have had him get, like just not had it not work and been like, yeah. I made it so your helmet doesn't work. And now we'll fight and I'll beat you up because you're just some guy and I'm fucking Batman. No, Batman specifically was like, I am going to ruin this man. I am going to psychologically destroy this man by giving, like, I am going to make his own thing betray him. And then I am going to punch him as hard as I can. And I love that about Batman. Because I, too, am petty, and I, too, will plot my revenge. The best part of this, by the way, isn't just the moment where it happens and Batman throwing that punch. It is uh, when Huntress comes in in the next panel and says, did I just see you cheating? And Batman says, you just saw me winning. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking love that shit. The art of Batman punching Prometheus, like, punching his helmet to pieces is some of the best art Howard Porter ever did on the book. Yeah, it is a full double-page spread. Yeah. Of Batman just, like, wrecking Prometheus. With a left, too. Not even even his dominant hand, man. I know his hand. You don't have to tell I know. Don't. Don't start with me. The, The thing is, I could understand somebody reading this as ableist. And I, I wouldn't necessarily call that a reading that's wrong. I, I think it, like, I think it is. Like, it, it might not have been intentionally hurtful. It is ableist. That's just, that's just the way it is. Yeah. It's that. That said, if Mark Miller had written this, I would be like, "Fuck this." <laughs> yeah. And, but because it's Grant, and because I know Grant, even when they're trying to do edgy stuff tends to have good intentions. Yeah. I mean, Mark Miller writing this, it would absolutely have slurs in it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, right. Like, yeah, it's a raw moment that I don't know that I can totally sanction. If that makes sense. It's unsanctioned, which makes it even more raw. That's <laughs> that's right. The, no, I think like I, as problematic as it is, I do still love it, and I'm not going to act like I don't love it. You can love a thing and acknowledge its flaws. True. Uh, I would love to know what Grant thinks of it. Yeah, I, yeah. I would love to know. Yeah. Uh, where do you want to put it on the list? Because I would like I still. I do still like it. I mean, I, you you have the strongest feelings, so I'll let you decide. I mean, it's like, I mean, this is this is the Batman argument, right? The motherfucker gave him prep time. He fucked up. <laughs> True. I don't know, man. I I I still love it. I would put it below Mister Miracle stabbing Darkseid and above Lockheed ripping out Sebastian Jaws Eye. All right, I'm I'm fine with that. So that makes it the new number six on the list. Okay. Do we have time for one more? 
I think we have time for one more if we can if we can get through it quick. All right. Well, I don't know. I don't know if we've read this, so I'm not sure. This this submission is from Kevin Maroney. Oh, love Kevin Maroney. And it is from Endgame, which is in the Mighty World of Marvel number twelve by Alan Moore and Alan Davis. It was reprinted oh, in Fury. It is Fury. Yes. Yeah, boy. Okay. Yeah, I've read it. Okay. Oh, is it? Is it? Can I guess? Hit me. Is it? It kills superheroes. No. This is this is when Captain UK, Linda McQuillian, or McQuillan, rips Fury into its constituent organs. Oh uh, yeah, dude, that shit owns. <laughs> <laughs> what is she? What is she? What number is that? It is uh, number twelve. Number twelve. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was reprinted, reprinted in the second Captain Britain trade paperback. Yeah, if you've not read this story, this is kind of like this is the underrated, uh, the the only underrated Alan Moore superhero story. Uh, where fights the fucking Fury, man, and what is the Fury? It kills superheroes. I think people, I like personally, I just feel like this was. A comic that was harder to come by. Yeah, well, because uh, it was uh, a UK only yeah. comic uh, that uh, wasn't reprinted in America until that paperback, which was relatively recent, I think. Well, re- relatively later, I guess. It was like the late nineties, maybe early two thousands is when the paperback. Two thousands, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, you got you got Captain Britain. There's the Fury, and all it does is kill superheroes. It's a it's it's a very Alan Moore idea. It's this weird looking, like featureless robot monster that only exists to kill superheroes. It's kind very of simple Alan Moore idea. It's kind of 2000 AD ish. Very 2000 AD ish. Yeah. Uh, and fucking Captain Britain is is fighting it, and if he like, if he can't stop it then it's going to kill everybody. And he can't like, he is fighting this thing and like tearing its arms off and like, but it, it won't stop because every part of it is a weapon. And so it just fucking is about to kill captain Britain. And so captain UK loses her goddamn mind and just fucking goes sick house on it. Uh, and you get like, there is there is an amazing Alan Moore line in this. Like the narration on this is uh is and she screams and she rips and she gouges and screams and the black stuff, the fear, the poison, hatred, it all comes screeching up out of her throat at once. She is crying, she is howling, every foul word, every curse she can remember. Steel fingers sinking through rancid purple flesh. She grasps its spine and begins to pull. It starts to shriek, and for the first time in its existence, it understands the concept of annihilation and gives up. And then the next thing you see is Captain Britain pulling Linda, uh, Captain UK, off of it and saying, Linda, it's dead. It's been dead for ten minutes. You killed it. That shit rules. <laughs> that shit owns so fucking hard. It is the, it is one of the like best Alan Moore 
like moments and uh and Alan Moore and uh Alan, Alan Davis. Davis. Yeah. Yeah. Who really should have drawn that role on JLA? Man, it would have been good. <laughs> The 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 panel. I th- I feel like the money panel is the panel where Linda is literally ripping out the thing's spine. Yeah, she's holding the spine above her head. Yeah, and then she beats it with the spine. Yeah, this is pre Mortal Combat days, buds. It, it it was yeah. Uh it it it's pretty fucking hard, honestly. <laughs> like it is. And again, like it has everything, right? Because you think like, oh, this is a Captain Britain story. Captain Britain, like, you know, oh, if he can't stop it, nobody can. And then he can't stop it. And Captain UK just like, literally just like freaks out. And you see her like shocked and crying. And then like, just she fucking hulks out. It's it's great. It's been dead for 10 minutes, man. That means that they stood there. You know how long ten minutes is in a fight forever. In a fight, yeah. Where one thing's already dead is great. All right, right. Give it a rank because because it's definitely raw. Yeah, I mean, like it's I. I mean, it's fucking up there, dude. I think it's probably. I don't think it beats Balder taking up the sword. But I think it probably beats that. And I was asking Ben Grimm what time it is, and that is a moment that uh, that also owns. Okay, that makes it the new number four, which is yeah. pretty good. Pretty good. Like I said, it's the it's the only underrated Alan Moore superhero comic. Fair. The rest of them are rated pretty much exactly where they ought to be. At one time, Miracle Man may not have been r- rated highly, but those days are over. People know about Miracle Man now. Oh, you mean Marvel Man by the original writer? That that's what I mean. Yes, that's what I mean. Uh, that's gonna have to be all the Thursday Night Raw entries we take on this episode. Uh, if you would like to send us a Thursday Night Raw entry, or if you want to pare down your list from multiple submissions to just one. You can email us at our email address, which is warrocketpodcast at gmail.com. That email address is also where you can send us listener questions and every story ever lists. And let us know if you want to sponsor the show or drop us a line about any old other thing. We're also on Tumblr. You can send us listener questions there, warrocketpodcast.tumblr.com. We're on Twitter at warrocketpod. And we have a Discord. You have to be invited to be a member of the Discord, but let us know that you want an invitation, and if you ask us nice, we'll get you one. WarRocketAjax.com is our website. It has every episode of the show we've ever done. That's over 700 episodes. That's so many episodes there at WarRocketAjax.com. WarRocketWiki.com is the fan-run repository of all the information you could ever need about WarRocketAjax. Uh, so go check that out. If you want to find me and my stuff, you can go to mattdwilson.net to find links to my books, my comics, my other podcasts, and my social medias. All of those are right there at mattdwilson.net. Chris, where can people find you? Everybody can find me by going to the-isb.com. That is my website. It has links to all the things that I do. And that'll do it. Folks, we'll be back next week with another episode of War Rocket Ajax for you.
Yeah, this is a good one, Matt. This one we had some fun stuff to talk about. We did, and I hope people haven't gotten upset about uh, us disqualifying their submissions for raw moments. Does not mean that they aren't good moments or things we don't like. Uh, they just don't quite hit the the sweet spot of rawness. I would say one of them is a moment that we like so much people got mad at us for that. That's true. Uh, but please understand that Raw is is a sensibility that we hope we're defining better and better every time we do one of these. We'll, we'll be back next week with another episode. Maybe we'll read some Groonies. Maybe we'll do something else. You'll have to tune in and find out. Until then, everybody, don't forget Black Lives Matter. Trans rights are human rights. Cops aren't your friends. Abortion rights are human rights as well. And drag's not a crime. And we love you. We love you. Stay on.